From Holman, Washington, this is the ComJur 350 News Podcast. The first year of the Trump administration has been chaotic, and not just because of the president's tendency to stir up controversy. Four stories cover public affairs issues from the past year. First, Trump's claim that negative stories about him are fake news gained some support as a mainstream news organization suspended a staff member for sloppy reporting. Next, Trump's adversarial relationship with North Korea continues to test its nuclear weapons. Also, gun control remains in the news following multiple mass shootings. ABC News is accused of being fake news after the reporter Brian Wallace gave a false report on former Trump National Security Advisor Michael Flynn. Although ABC has issued a correction and suspended Brian Wallace for four weeks without pay, a mistake like this will not be forgotten. Samantha Wilson has more on the story. Public trust in the mainstream media remains at an all-time low in the U.S., according to a Gallup poll published in August of this year. Using his Twitter account, President Donald Trump continues to discredit major news organizations, referring to them as fake news. Professor of political science at Washington State University, Travis Redoubt, says the label fake news is a confusing term because it's being used very loosely. There is actual fake news out there, fabricated stories, false stories that have been produced in order to mislead individuals or just to serve as clickbait. Trump doesn't use fake news in that way. He uses that term to describe news stories he disagrees with when, in truth, many of the details in those stories are probably true. So what he's really doing is is politicizing the news. Assistant professor for the Murrow College of Communication at Washington State University, Maya Hutchins, says this is problematic because we're getting opinion rather than information. In order to effectively govern, we need to agree upon the same set of facts. We might disagree with what's the best way to deal with that set of facts, but we need to have a shared understanding of what's real. And we're in a situation where I think there's going to be fewer and fewer people who have that shared understanding of what's real, um, that can agree upon the facts. And when that happens, then we can't function as a country, right? We're just no longer a democracy. For those who are distrustful of the mainstream media, clinical assistant professor at Washington State University, Lisa Wanonin-Jones, says that professional news organizations still adhere to extremely strict standards for honesty and professionalism, and there are consequences for false reporting. People are fired or suspended. Statements are corrected immediately by other news organizations. Untrue statements are not allowed to just stand and linger. Wanonin Jones says one of the biggest issues right now with the polarization in this country is that people want news that supports what they believe. In Pullman, I'm Samantha Wilson. The United States is still measuring its response to the recent intercontinental ballistic missile launch, which showed that North Korea is capable of reaching and striking the United States. Rachel Case and Jenny Power have more with the story. The United States has relisted North Korea on the list of terrorism sponsors along with Iran, Sudan, and Syria, formerly known as America's Terrorism Blacklist. With recent missile tests, North Korea seems to be getting closer to missile-carrying devices that could reach the United States. North Korea says these tests are part of an overall strategy to defend itself against Washington's blacklist. Tokyo and Seoul denounced the recent missile launches that landed off the coast of Japan. 
President Trump says that the United States will, quote, deal with it, end quote. Washington State University political science professor Thomas Preston has spent much of his career analyzing current international nuclear conflicts. Preston says the North Korea president, Kim Jong-un, is not entirely irrational in his actions. No credible sources really view Kim Jong-un in that way. He's eccentric and he's mercurial and he's an unpleasant dictator. And he does horrible things, but he's not irrational or crazy. I mean, geez, the, the, the head of Korea analysis at CIA actually made a, a statement not long ago basically saying, you know, we assess him not to be irrational. WCU political science professor Ashley Townsend states that a war with North Korea is unlikely. It is a much higher probability than it has been in the last, since the end of the Korean War, but it's still not a high probability. Um, I would say before the Trump administration, it was like one-tenth of one percent the probability it would go to war, incredibly low. Mm -hmm. Now it's probably in the tenth percent range, um, which is not nothing, mm -hmm. but it's still not high. At an emergency meeting with the Security Council, U.S. Ambassador Nikki Haley is taking a hardline stance toward North Korea. Haley says this launch brings the United States closer and could potentially destroy the Norse regime. In Pullman, I'm Rachel Case with Jenny Power. While the momentum for further gun control legislation concerning semi-automatic weapons and their tactical attachments has seemingly come to a standstill, the Trump administration recently announced that the sale and regulation of bump fire stocks are under investigation by the administration the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives. Pending the review, the federal government will decide whether to ban the firearm attachment. Alternatively, in pro-gun news, the U.S. House of Representatives has approved the Concealed Carry Reciprocity Act. These statements come two months following the Las Vegas mass shooting and one month following the Sutherland Springs mass shooting in Texas. While states are currently managing firearm legislation within their own borders, both the Concealed Carry Reciprocity Act and possible ban on bump fire stocks would come as new federal laws if approved. Trent Selland has more on the story. The ATF participated in a similar evaluation in 2010 when the agency reviewed a bump stock attachment produced by the company Slidefire. The 1986 law considered in the review specifically bans automatic weapons from citizen ownership. The result of the agency's 2010 assessment determined that the product complied with the law because the bump stock had no automatic mechanical function once attached to the firearm. Though the official review of the attachment determined legality, many support its ban on the grounds of public safety following the Las Vegas mass shooting where the shooter reportedly used a rifle equipped with a bump stock to murder 58 people. Commander Chris Tennant of Pullman Police Department says he would not be against legislation banning the stock. I deal with guns through my profession as a because I carry one, you know, 24/7 basically. I really don't see what the need of a bump stock is either for sporting or for, you know, target shooting or anything else. I, I just think there's an item that really has no use. Uh, there's a certain cool factor to them. But uh, other than that, there's no practical use, and I have no problem banning them. With the public safety concern considered, the federal government could ban the bump stock nationally. However, this decision could raise some questions involving state legislation and state rights. In more recent news concerning gun laws and individual state rights is the Conceal Carry Reciprocity Act. If enacted, 
the bill will require each state to treat a concealed carry permit like a driver's license, allowing concealed carry permit holders to lawfully travel to different states while having their permit recognized. Current legislation requires gun owners to have a permit for the specific state they are in if a permit is required. Second Amendment advocates argue that gun owners should not lose their right to bear arms simply because they cross state lines. Dr. Michael Salamoni, WSU professor of political science, says there are two ways to frame the argument for this bill, and the outcome will be based on whose rights are weighed heavier, the individual gun owner's right to bear arms or the state's right to dictate their own legislation. You would probably also get you know, an individual rights-based argument that, you know, states are recognizing an individual right to, you know, carry a concealed weapon, um, and that, you know, that right is protected by the Second Amendment, so all states need to recognize that right as well. On the other side, you would probably get an argument along the lines of a states' rights-based argument that, you know, if California doesn't want to allow concealed carry, it's within their Tenth Amendment rights not to allow that and for the federal government to force them to recognize what other states is doing is to violate their uh, state sovereignty. The House of Representatives will vote on the Concealed Carry Act Wednesday. If passed, the final hurdle for the bill expanding gun ownership rights will be the Senate. The question of an individual's right to bear arms, the state's right to dictate its own legislation, and the federal government's right to enact national gun laws will soon be answered. In Pullman, I'm Transcendent. That was Neckbreaker from the album New Ways to Destroy Music by Daniel Bautista. Used with a Creative Commons attribution. Share alike 3.0, unported license. For Comjor 350 from Pullman, Washington, I'm Aaron Clark. <laughs>